Welcome to the Board Shorts podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Cook, and I'm here with another easy to digest dose of valuable board and company director related information designed to help you to get on board and thrive in the boardroom. If you're on a board, there is a very high likelihood that you have had many discussions about your organization's policies and procedures. And rightly so, they are the board's remote control of and throughout the organization, helping to ensure that things are done in the way that the board considers appropriate and in some instances, necessary. Creating, checking, updating, and approving policies and procedures is something that I have spent many committee and board meetings and time in between working on. This is time well invested. However, it's really only about a third of the picture. The other two thirds are implementing the policy or procedure and checking in that that particular policy or procedure is being followed as intended and that the outcomes are those that are expected and intended from that policy or procedure. It's this final third of your organization's operations that my conversation today is focused on making sure all of those policies and procedures are being followed as required so that they have the desired outcomes. Whether it's risk reduction or mitigation, maintaining quality, complying with legislation or safeguarding financial assets, there needs to be someone checking in that the rules are being followed. That person is usually referred to as an internal auditor. And I have one with me today. Peter Francis is the managing director of ACIA, a professional services firm specializing in internal audit and risk management across Australia and New Zealand. Peter himself has over 25 years of experience in risk and internal audit doing that job that many are more than willing to hand over to someone else. And as you will hear, Peter loves this. Peter is an accountant by education, is a certified internal auditor and a certified member of the Institute of Internal Auditors. So he knows his stuff. Peter and I discuss exactly what internal audit is, how and why an organization engages with an internal auditor, and the impetus for why a board may want to introduce internal audit activity and the value and assurances it will bring. I hope that by the end of this conversation, you get as excited over internal audit as Peter does or at least understand the value in bringing in someone like Peter to support the board in its risk management role. Peter, great to have you here. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thanks for having me along, Lisa. I am so excited to talk to you today. I know it's not a sexy topic, internal auditing, but it is something that's really important. Now, I do want to start with the basics and ask you really what an internal audit is. Um, 
the thing that I've experienced in my board career to give some context here as to why I think what you have to share is really important is that on the boards that I've served on, we spend a lot of time and energy creating policies, creating procedures, creating these documents that oftentimes you need them to get certain certifications or whatever it is, depending on what the organization does. So if you think a not-for-profit that serves uh, clients that are under the NDIS, you need to become a certified provider. And part of that is having a suite of certain policies and procedures. So you end up spending time, effort and money to get these developed. But the missing piece to me always feels like it's, well, is anyone checking that these policies are actually being followed? And so that's kind of where I'm coming at this conversation because I feel like that then creates a whole raft of issues. But let's step back before we step forward. What exactly is then an internal audit? Okay, well, I, I have to pick you up on the word sexy because it is actually <laughs> sexy. Fair enough. Okay, it's you get to travel, you get to meet lots of people, you get to see all parts of the business, Absolutely. which a lot of people don't. Mm. So it's a well-kept secret that internal audit is actually sexy. <laughs> there you go, you heard it here first. <laughs> right. Uh, and the other, I guess, um, I don't know what the word is, anomaly, is the difference between external audit and internal audit. Mm -hmm. Okay, so external audit is the, is the accreditation of the financials, the profit and loss and the balance sheet. Right, something that we're all very familiar with when we serve on boards, this annual external audit on the finances that we all have. Yeah, that's right. Um, An internal audit is basically the assurance function, like any other function in the organisation, I say you have a payroll function, you have a sales function, you have a accounts receivable function, marketing department. It's just another function that is there to help the organisation mm. achieve its goals. But you don't see it everywhere. Absolutely. And, you know, I, you, I preach to the converted sometimes and then I preach to a lot of unconverted, which is why, why don't you have an internal audit function? You do have all these other functions that I just mentioned. Yeah. But how come you don't have an internal audit or assurance function? Right. So what is the answer and what does internal or what do internal auditors do? Yeah. So the answer is like any other part of your business, you have a fit for purpose function, you know, a sales team of 10 or 100, depending on what you need. And mm -hmm. the same with internal audit and assurance, you should have some sort of function that's fit for purpose. Yeah. And, and that's whether it's a not for profit that's a million dollars or it's a BHP that's 10 billion. Yes. Yeah. They'll all have and should have an assurance function that's fit for purpose. And some organizations are required to have them under ASX corporate governance guidelines. Um, but it's not mandated necessarily. It mm. is in local government and government sectors, I believe. Um, but not every organisation has to have it. Yeah. So what do they do? Why Why is it important to have this? these people inside doing this work? Um, you know, I like to use the phrase to avoid having too many oh shit experiences. You know, if you have someone that's um, doing a structured, you know, dedicated role around assurance, they're making sure things are working the way that you would hope and expect them to work. If you don't, like you said earlier, have policies and procedures and processes that you think are happening, but you don't know, then they could come unstuck on you and 
you'll have an incident, uh, oh shit experience, if mm. you like, um, and it might cost you a dollar, it might cost you a million dollars, someone might get hurt, um, and you say to yourself, could I have avoided that with some sort of assurance function? Yeah, so really what those people are doing are essentially taking what the board has created through their policies and procedures and things like that and checking that they're actually being put into the business and followed in the way that the board wants it to be followed. Is that right or is that an oversimplification? No, that, that is it. In fact, there's two parts. One is, uh, you know, there's risk and are we managing risk um, with good controls? If you don't have controls, then maybe they're not even designed to start with. So you mm. can't test if those controls are working if they don't exist. So your first right. step is to design some, which might be things like policies and procedures and system controls. Um, you might have system controls that haven't been turned on in your system. So how about we turn some of those on? Right. Um, so basically, yeah, it's reviewing design of controls and then how effective are those and are they embedded in the, the day-to-day? Yeah running of the business and ideally they're happening sort of uh, without people knowing you know that's Mm -hmm. just a part of doing business certainly you don't want to create processes and controls that hamstring the business yeah and that can happen yeah Um, absolutely that's no good no and so does is that a, a role of the internal audit person or team to check that they're not you're not overly burdening the staff getting their job done or making it harder than it should be is that part of what they do as their internal audit? Yeah, I guess, you know, the key is, one of the people might not realise, the key element of being a good assurance internal audit person is to be a good listener mm. and be in tune with the business. Mm. It's not about what you personally want, it's what the business needs and the people running the business need. And we talk about risk appetite. You yeah. know, I might think that this is no good, this really needs to be fixed. But mm. if the board have, have looked at their risks, and I'm curious to ask you about about some of this, you know, they're the ones that own the risk, have the risk appetite for what they're prepared to live with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, risk management is always on the agenda, right, for boards. And just thinking back to my experiences, you spend a lot of time considering critical risks, you know, organizations have finite resources so you focus on really those critical things that matter and what to do about it and I don't recall ever having this conversation around well how can it go wrong from the inside out you spend a lot of time looking on external things that can happen that can impact the organization but not often do you hear conversations around that well what are those internal risks uh, that exist and how do we manage those and how do we make sure that we're managing them properly? So closing the loop and doing that assurance function, which would come through internal audit from my understanding. Yeah, you, you've got me thinking as well now that, you know, there's a, like a lot of things in our lives, we can't control a lot of external factors, yeah. but we can control what we do. And I guess that's that's probably a good good way of talking about internal audit is let's let's control the things we can control yeah but in order to do that we need to understand you know what are the things that could get out of control or need to be controlled which is based on some you know risk management risk process yeah that establishes where do we need some assurance yeah uh, the last thing you want is for internal auditors running off doing audit work that is not adding value and not in line with the organizations risks and goals 
They're yeah. just running off doing stuff. It's it's not good use of resource. Absolutely. So I do want to come back to that, but I think the important thing I want to start with is who or what organisations need to do an internal audit process. Yeah, and I think that earlier comment I made is that everyone should. Yes. <laughs> um, because it's 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 an internal uh, it's an important function. But it's just got to be fit for purpose. So I think every organisation should, and and small organisations are managing risk and without knowing it, they're reviewing reports, they're authorising things, they've got dual signatories on bank accounts, they've got all sorts of day-to-day. People are managing risk because that's what they they do because they want to succeed in their business. So they know what makes them not sleep at night. And we talk about that. What makes you not sleep at night? Mm. And what are you doing to, to manage those things? Yeah. And... Quite often, you've got you're either insuring stuff, you're yeah. you've got people looking at stuff, you've got independent people coming in and providing some comfort. Um, An internal audit should be complementing all of that activity. Yeah. Uh, not duplicating it. Not you know external audit look at lots of stuff. You know. Yeah. Other organisations come in and do uh, safety audits or they do mm. um, quality audits. Yeah. Um, so it's important that internal audit is doing the bit that on top of that and complements all the other assurance activities. Yeah. But you need to understand, therefore, what is happening in the business. So the first step is to understand what's the as-is assurance framework and model in that organisation. Right. So is that where then um, a board would start? I guess underlying that question is an assumption that this is the responsibility of the board to make sure that the organisation is doing things in the way that the board wants it to. So how does everyone start, like the board approach either running or or just bringing in this ethos or mindset around this internal audit? Because I feel like it's just not something you do once a year or once every second year and and tick the box and let's move on. No, no, no. And look, you know, compliance is a word that's used for... Um, audit work mm-hmm. because we have to comply with laws and regulations and certifications and accreditations yeah. so we have to tick the box um, but I think you want to move beyond that you know yeah you've got standards in all sorts of industries from building to aged care to disability uh, quality standards but I think you want to move beyond standards standards yeah. are like baseline yeah uh, <clears throat> excuse me so you you really I guess and try and answer your question the first step is to do a bit of an assurance map. What are our our risks? We should have a risk management framework if we're, depending on the maturity level of the organisation, that there might be a risk management plan, you know, likelihood consequence. Yep. These are the things that are still uh, big risks to us. What yeah. controls and mitigating controls do we have? And where are we getting assurance that those controls, as you said earlier, are actually working and embedded in the business? Mm. So the assurance map is uh, is a phrase we use in our game okay um to establish where do we need to put some internal audit effort yeah where's the gaps right so what reviewing some notes before we started our conversation today i did see this term assurance map and i'm like i'm a visual thinker peter so what does this look like i think maps you know like an atlas like a map what does an assurance map look like? What sort of information is on that? Or what would you want to see on your your assurance map? Yeah. 
I look, I love maps as well, maps of the world, but there's no there's no beaches, there's no ships, and there's no mountains on what? on this assurance map. Well, there might it's be some mountains because there might be some some big risks that aren't being controlled that need to be uh, right over over overcome. I guess. Mm-hmm. So the assurance map is to, maybe this is the non sexy bit. You know, it's a bit of a rectangle landscape right. spreadsheet that's got risks. You know, likelihood and consequence of those risks happening, resulting risk. What controls do we have that are mitigating those risks? Yeah. And what's our resultant risk after right. taking into account our controls? And we might still go, that's still a high risk. And in the context of our risk appetite, we go, no, we're still not going to tolerate uh, even a low risk right. for that area, whatever right. that might be. Yeah. Could be quality of product, health and safety, yeah. uh, environment, all these sorts of things. Yeah. So basically you take that, uh, whatever's in this risk mitigation strategy or approach or tactic, you take that list and you check in on each of those mechanisms to see if they're functioning in the way that the board wants them to in order to reduce the likelihood or the consequence of that risk. Yes, maybe not reduce it, but certainly manage it and maintain it right. at, the, at the risk appetite level that they're, they're prepared to, to run with. Right. Um, and so, yes, that will drive the, the internal audit activity right. because you might end up with a very big list of things. I can but, imagine. of course, there's no endless bucket of money no. or time to do everything. So you then have to prioritise. And how do you do that? Uh, I guess, you, you know, you, you advise, but ultimately you'll listen to the, the board and the customer and the executive, um, you know, the C-suite will decide what is important to them. Right. Um, along with your input as an expert. Um, to work out where we're going to put some time and effort into uh, doing some reviews of those areas. Right. And then you go about setting up a, a one-year, two-year, three-year audit plan. Right, wow, um, that's a long time. Yeah, well, I guess it's, uh, it's like you said earlier, it's not just a one-off thing. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's a plan. Mm. A bit like, a, I guess, you have strategic plans that go for five years. And, that's true. Um, and internal audits, you know, the, the same, it has a plan. The really important thing is, though, that, Internal auditors need to be flexible. Yeah. Because the landscape changes. You could have, I don't yeah. know, something unusual like a pandemic or. That never happens. Never happens. <laughs> or, I don't know, something that, like cybersecurity. I don't know if that's yeah. going on, you know. Yeah. So all of a sudden your plan might need to change. Yeah. To be in tune, as I said earlier, and in aligned with the board and the executive with what their issues yeah. are. Because there's fires burning over here. That's later. right, yeah. But no one sees it. La, la, la. But the auditor is saying, no, I've, I've got my plan and, yeah. you know, my little pen and off I go. Yeah, yeah. So are there some common elements of this assurance map or approach to risk management that you see across most organisations? And what are those things? Yeah, I, I think one of the things I've learned with internal audit is that Yes, we've got some standards and international professional practices frameworks, but I love that there is no one way of doing it. Yeah. Uh, I might get beaten over the head by some of my, my colleagues and, and peers, but th- there isn't just one way. Yeah. It needs to be, I believe, it, tailored to the way the, the organisation you're working for wants it yeah. to look and feel. Yeah. Um, but the frameworks are the, are the same, those words yeah. that we're using around risks and internal yeah. controls. Um, and then the audit process itself has got its own little, you know, way of doing things from planning and field work and reporting, like a right. like a lot of projects, I guess. Right. I would feel that 
there's a lot of legislative uh, influence on what gets managed as a risk and then therefore what falls into the internal audit process. I'm thinking workplace health and safety is a big one. Um, I'm thinking depending on the organisation, you've got things like the Privacy Act, you've got probably aged care providers that have a whole raft of legislative requirements that you know are at least that minimum standard. Is that kind of like a first place where boards can, can think about prioritising, I guess, maybe their risk management, but also that internal audit function? Yeah, I mean... You think about banking sector, how regulated it is. I, I, I'm not. I'm not a banking person, and I haven't worked in that sector. But I, I know from what I read and hear, you know, the banks will have a hundred huge compliance auditors. Yeah. I don't know. Just yeah. doing compliance because yeah. um, if you don't meet the regulators' requirements, you might lose your license to operate, which means no business. Huge risk. So to a bank. Huge yeah, risk. <laughs> you know, so auditors would love to do lots of consulting projects, you know, greenfield reviews of, of this part of the business, but they've got some baseline things that need to be done depending on the sector they're in. Look at the gaming sector. Yeah. Look at the casinos. Yeah. Um, you know, sorry, you've lost your licence to operate, you know, yeah. star. Yeah. Uh, what were your auditors doing? Oh, they were doing some wonderful consulting work on this and that, and we've got this brand new customer experience program. Well, you know, you haven't met your baseline compliance obligations. So I guess internal audit has to make sure it's and aligning its activities. And it normally gets driven by the board, as you say. Yeah, or externally by regulators that are not very happy with what you're doing and how you're doing it, Yeah. which is not something you really want. But we've seen it happen to banks. Yeah. We're seeing it with the casinos. It's a real problem. Um, but is it only for large organisations? How, how do smaller organisations where I nearly feel like the smaller things are the bigger things there, they're so resource constrained that small risks are big risks to them. And I always worry that that importance isn't recognised, but that's just my opinion. But how do small organisations start to sort of develop this ethos? Yeah, I mean, it is all relative. Like, it could be a $20 million turnover business instead of a $20 billion. So if that $20 million business has a $10,000 loss due to an incident, whether it's mm. around their, their stock, a loss of a customer, um, some, something else that hits their bottom line, they've got to do a lot of selling to make up yeah. that $10,000. Yeah. So $10,000 is a lot of money for that organisation, but it's not for a $20 billion organisation. Yeah. So then it becomes, well, how much money do I spend on assurance work to to save $10,000? Yeah. And and I guess that's the, the challenge for small organisations is to yeah. try and um, that fit for a purpose. Yeah. yeah, and that justify the expense, mm. which just means you need to be even more targeted about what it is you you put in place in terms of some internal audit and assurance work. So it's the short answer is that... You know, as I said earlier, a lot of organisations are managing their risk yeah. without knowing it. Yeah. You know, the, well, the, the owner are. of the business and the and the managing director of the business is probably doing lots of checks and balances and looking at things and reports. So 
uh, in a larger organisation, there's much more segregation of duties. Things yep. are spread out. So, uh, but smaller organisations suffer as a result of that because they don't have the the people power to do everything. So they are susceptible to more risks and yeah experiences. Yeah, that's right. Cash twenty two, right? So, what are some of the things that a board can keep their eyes open for or sort of their radar on that would indicate that an organization or that their organization needs firstly some assurance internal audit work but even bring in an expert like yourself what are those flags that need to be considered i think it incidents you know what what's happening in the business that's being reported up uh, hopefully it's being reported up that's right. you know sometimes i imagine the board don't hear everything they need to hear but those incidents should be wow how did we have that how could we have prevented that yeah what can we do to you know make sure it doesn't happen again so it's those incidents are always a good uh, a good indication of geez we're having lots of incidents why are they repeating themselves what are we doing about it right Maybe we should have been doing some preventative yeah. you know, action. And I think that's where uh, internal order comes in. We either get a phone call to say we've had a oh shit experience. Can you help us fix it and stop it from happening again? Right. Or they're being proactive and saying we haven't had any yeah. issues. But the stakes, I like to use the phrase, stakes are getting higher. Right. And as the stakes get higher, yep. that's a good reason to think about it more because you've gone from a, you know, this $20 million business to 200 So that incident is going to be 10 times bigger now yeah so or maybe we should be doing a bit of proactive assurance work and risk management yeah but i also think about um stakes getting higher from a current example that we're having a lot of cyber security incidents optus medibank things like that do those sort of things big major things that are happening to large organizations does that give every organization that opportunity to go maybe this is something we should raise the importance of and do some checks and balances to make sure we've got that risk covered absolutely if you you know if you're not learning from what's going on around you then you're you're dead in the water aren't you yeah so i know we're not medibank and we're not optus but our organization might uh, be susceptible to that so it might be yeah. hey team we need to get together and make sure we've got dual factor authentication or you know we we need to up the uh, antivirus on our network and we'll speak yeah. to our, our IT person uh, who we outsource to, to to look at that doesn't matter what size you are you only need, like exactly. I said you might have a $10,000 you know ransomware yeah but that's enough to bring you down absolutely yeah that's scary so we've talked about the board a little bit. What, how do you see the board's role in assuring the policies and procedures that they spend all this time and energy developing, that they're implemented and are being followed as required? What is that role? How do you see the board in that? Yeah, so in large organisations and certainly um, ASX, you know, public companies, the boards normally appoint the internal audit. You know, they approve the budget. Yep. They approve the internal audit plan, and they may even appoint right. the uh, the chief audit executive, so that because 
you know, back to this definition of internal audit, it's an independent objective assurance activity mm. you know, designed to help the organisation achieve its goals, blah, blah, blah. It's, there's a definition. Mm-hmm. So part of that independence is having, you know, the board appoint that chief audit executive. Again, we're talking about large organisations, okay? Yeah. So not... So not it's a bit of a misnomer to say it's independent when they're hired and an employee yes. of the business. So it's a, we need to discuss this just a little bit okay Okay. so you can be you can be uh and the and 80 percent of the internal auditors out there i don't know the number are employees as i said they're a function within the organization yep and they do their best to be independent and objective uh, because that's their job too yes uh they get paid by you know the the organization but so does an outsourced internal audit function they get Mm. paid by that organization yes to do the job that they're paid to do Mm -hmm. so you could say that are they really going to be independent because they don't want to upset their customer and not not get paid? Well, it's the same. I believe it's the same right relationship, mm-hmm. whether you're internal or you're external internal audit. Yeah. Okay. And so, how does the board? So, does the board bring in someone, or are they better off hiring someone as an employee? Like, how would you make that distinction? I think it's like any other business decision around outsourcing IT or outsourcing payroll or, it, it, you know, you, you put the business case forward for what is fit for purpose for that organisation. Like, mm. we might be better off having an outsourced IT function because we don't need that expertise in-house and we want it to stay up to date and refreshed and uh, or you have it in-house because you want to invest in it and develop it and own it and mm. manage it. Yeah. I, so I, I think that for me is... You know, internal audits, again, no different to any other function, in my opinion. We're there to help the organisation. And the organisation should resource it the, the way they see fit. And, and, in fact, that's one of the challenges for internal audit yep. is all the different projects require different skills. Yep. An internal auditor may not have all the skills of finance or health and safety or quality or yeah. IT cyber security. Yeah. So it's a bit naive to think that I can employ Lisa and she's going to be able to do everything and know everything. About, you don't know me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, might be, you might be the perfect That's why they need and, you, Peter, because you, you know all, everything. And well, all no, I don't. That's, that's why it's so important. To, uh, the internal auditor should help identify the projects that are needed for the organisation, not right. what they're able to do. So the internal auditor, sort of, this is an interesting thing. So a board brings in someone external, like yourself, first job you do is nearly run an audit on what needs auditing yeah the assurance mapping exercise what do we right. what, do, what, do, what do we need here yeah and we might come up with oh we need a, a a review of our it framework yeah we might need to review our professional development training program right. and the revenue that that generates so we'll have all these projects that need to be looked at mm-hmm. then it's about how and under the internal audit standards it talks about making sure you resource those projects with suitably qualified people. Right, of course. Like you would do with a financial audit. Yeah. You don't just bring in any Joe Blow off the street. That's right. Yeah. So it, it, it's important that you get the right people to do the right job. And that might mean you need, you know, Commonwealth Bank or BHP might have a big team of people that have got all those different skills. Massive. Yeah. But smaller organisations will need to, I guess, bring in resources to, to do certain projects on their yep. audit plan. Yeah. To make sure they're done properly and deliver the the assurance that you're trying to get out of that project yeah Mm. so then you just piqued a question in my mind 
what sort of um, guarantee, because I'm, I'm drawing a correlation here with a financial audit where the auditor in some degree like guarantees to an extent the results and, and what they say about the audit that they've conducted on the finances. Do internal auditors like yourself, do you provide something similar in the way of like guaranteeing or sort of ticking and saying this is a good enough standard or like, is there a process like that? Um, yeah, I guess we're giving opinions on the, on the area that we're looking at. Right. You know, external audit are there to say, we've looked at the profit and loss and balance sheet, we've done our checks and they do some sort of, they do internal audit sort of where they're checking controls. Yeah. And, yeah. But they're attesting to the fact that these numbers are correct. Yeah. There may well be some major process issues in your organisation or even fraud potentially. Yeah. But they're not saying that, they're just saying the numbers are accurate. Right. Uh, and the same with internal audit. Our job's not to pick up fraud. We do factor that into all our Mm -hmm. our, our projects to see if there's a fraud risk here yeah but make no mistake you know when you see frauds in the paper that's not up to the internal audit function to to find all those and, right and bring all those to light uh-huh how, how is that possible that's <laughs> it, true i guess you know um but we we are cognizant of it when yep. we're looking at you know a process and going well there is potential for fraud risk right here yeah if we don't segregate some duties or put some yeah access controls here mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, you know we've left the till open Any, anyone can reach in and grab some money well we would write that up in a report and say there's some fraud risk here right interesting so i'm curious to know a, a board that might be thinking about bringing in someone like yourself to kind of just do some extra checks some of this uh, assurance work whether you um just sort of stick your nose in, have a look around, give them that report at the end, or whether it's some sort of ongoing potential thing, that sort of, what sort of budget would an organization, let's use your $10 million turnover organization, what could they expect to invest in something like you? Yeah, so I think that first step of, you know, doing the assurance map. Yeah. So let's look at the external audit report, whether any items in the management report there uh, that assurance mapping process will flesh out what's going on in the business how many people do we need to speak to to get a feel of all the risks in the business mm -hmm. they might have a risk register so depending on how sophisticated they are and mature right. yeah there might be lots of stuff already on the table for that organization yeah and the same size organization with the same revenue and uh, turnover and profit might not be as sophisticated so Absolutely. i think it depends on the level of sophistication which right. you can pretty assess pretty quickly based on those things i just mentioned and then that'll determine how much work you've got to do to right. establish how much assurance they need to set up a plan yeah. so I, I guess there's no magic number it's about it's really important to scope things out because yeah. this the scoping is really important because if you jump straight into a project um and geez you need to speak to 10 people instead of two there's a lot more time and effort and more you know, yeah. documents to read. Yeah. So it, in short, yes, it's horses for courses. You're not going to put a dollar figure on it? No, I don't think, you know. <laughs> I, I can't convince you. You know what, Lisa, with inflation <laughs> running at the moment, by the time I leave this podcast, it, it could well, have date, gone date, date and time it to make sure people understand. <laughs> so, yeah, 
Are we talking tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands? Oh, no, I don't think, yeah, no, it's it's obviously thousands, you know, you're basically yeah. paying a professional yeah. service um, organisation to do a, to do this assurance mapping piece of work, if you like. Well, how does an organisation check that they are getting someone reputable and appropriately qualified? Is it, are you like builders where you have a, a licence and you can check that on an independent website or how does it work? Mm, it's, uh, it's a good question. And we've talked about external auditors and they, you know, there's chartered accounts and CPA. So in the internal audit fraternity, there's the Institute of Internal Auditors, which is a global organisation with mm-hmm. over 100,000 members. And they do have a designation called a Certified Internal Audit. Yep. Uh, you, you don't necessarily have to have that. Yep. Um, you don't even necessarily have to be a member of the Institute of Internal Auditors. I guess like any service provider, you want to check their credentials and most importantly, check their references, I would have thought. Absolutely. And phone around, right? Phone around, yeah. That's good. Where do boards and organisations get this wrong? What are some of the sort of top things that you see just you walk into an organization you're like wow you could have done a b and c or you really sort of shot yourself in the foot in the foot by doing x y and z does something spring to mind i don't know about getting it wrong i think not i think not doing anything you know you know how sometimes the answer is with with problems that you have in life is don't do anything i don't think that's the answer to this right (laughs) <laughs> um, I, th- I think you need to do something and, and that might yeah. be as simple as it needs to be discussed at an executive yeah. level or a board level uh, and I personally don't actually I'm, this stage of my life I'm not on a lot of boards and doing board I'm more yeah. interested in serving executive and boards yeah. so I think just what you could do wrong is not talk about it Absolutely. and say where are we getting our assurance from do we have an internal audit mindset function yeah you know, do we even know what it means? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, we have this podcast now, so we get very familiar with it. Um, and that's a good point because I think sticking your head in the sand, doing the ostrich thing, not a good idea here. Also, what comes to mind is that that's a potential breach of your duties under the Corporations Act, particularly care and diligence. If you're just saying, let's do nothing, pretend the problem doesn't exist, mm. can't say you're being very careful or very diligent in your capacity in stewarding that organization. So on a positive note, hmm. what are the sort of key things that you would want someone listening to this episode to take away uh, that they can possibly implement on their board? I think what we just said, you know, ask, ask that question of, of the rest of the board members and the, the executive, what are we doing around assurance and managing yeah. risk? And there should be some answers around that. Yeah. Uh, are we doing enough? Yeah. You know, how many incidents, oh shit experiences are we having and what are we doing to mitigate those and prevent those from happening? And should we be looking at some sort of, you know, budget and forward thinking plan in our org structure that involves some assurance? Yeah, definitely. So put it on the agenda. Put it on the agenda. Um, Get, get the discussion going and challenge the executive around what are you doing to manage, you know, what yeah. are your internal controls and and that, that'll create some some discussion and, and board members tend to have experience, I imagine, across 
working on different boards and they'll have their own view on and that's why I was interested to ask you you know what what are some of these board members that you've bumped into and sat on when this topic's discussed do some of them scratch their head or do some of them have firm views on what it should look like and who should do it yeah interesting questions I feel like it's now not to throw anyone under the bus because I'm not here to do that but oftentimes when I bring up so I just want to contextualize this situation here on boards you have your policy suite um, I've been obviously naturally I'm in, often involved in the governance committee on boards and part of that is you set a rolling policy procedure review schedule so you don't have to review all your policies at one time through the year you kind of break it up into pieces and so you're consistently reviewing every month or every other month uh, a handful of policies and procedures and documents like that and it always amazes me uh, particularly when you ask the CEO okay so here's our policy what happens inside to make sure like how are you checking that this is actually being done in this way that we've said we want it to be done and that this policy is followed the procedures being followed whatever it is is that you feel like sometimes people go oh i didn't think of that part and that worries me and you have to be careful because a lot of ceos and senior executive and management go I'm pretty sure that that's what's happening. Yeah. I'm certain that I'm Ben and Belinda sure. and, and Bob yeah. are, are doing that the right way. But it's it's anecdotal. It's, yeah. it's gut feel. Yeah. And if you don't... So I always think of, okay, if this got pressure tested, if something, if an, it, we had a shit incident happened, what are we doing or what was the process to make the staff member aware of the policy, to make them to give us a record that they read and understood it but then who's checking that the way that they're doing the work that they do is in line with what it is so there's the awareness there's the understanding but then there's the actual application and i always feel like there's a bit of a, a bit too much looseness around that and i do tend to be a little conservative in my uh, approach in my risk management kind of things so I get that but I do feel that that's is that a good line of thinking to follow as Absol a board member when absolutely you're looking at these? Yeah. but then you just you've got so many policies and yeah. procedures and practices in an organization you know you can't worry about everything the policy yes. might say you have to turn the kettle off at the end of the day before you leave the office but it's probably not the single biggest thing that's going to bring the organization unstuck exactly so don't sweat it Unless there's an electrical fault and the building burns down, Peter. Well, hopefully you've got some test and tag going on and, you know, you, you've got you've got some comfort that yeah. some electrician's coming in and doing that. Right. You don't need the internal orders to look at that. Right. Maybe I might just have them make sure that the tag's up to date or the, whatever. Correct. Um, but that's right. So that's the extreme. And I would think that you then come back to what are those critical risks that you're trying to manage as a board of an organization that doesn't just have everlasting resources that can go towards chasing these, the kettle wasn't turned off at the end of the day kind of things. 
Yeah, and I think that's why you know the internal auditor should always be saying to themselves, "How is this issue that I've put on the table going to affect the organisation achieving its goals that that are quite clear?" Yeah. So it's linking the work that we do back through you know risks and the goals and the objectives. Yeah. Of the day. Yeah. For the organisation. Yeah. If there's no link, and we call it risk-based auditing. Yes. Okay. okay. It's not just audit till the cows come home. Right. It's risk-based auditing. Yeah. Which is audit those things that will help to manage the risk and the organisation to achieve its goals. Yeah. So that makes me think strategy, what are the important strategic goals and what are the risks that fall out from that as one area, but then also just the risks that are inherent to every business all the time, cyber risk, workplace health and safety, that kind of thing. Yeah, financial risk. Yeah. You know, money money losses, financial losses, yeah. operational risk, health and safety risk. Yeah, there's all the stock standard stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, strategic risk. So, and look, there's some things that are not easily audited or, or and I won't go into them in detail, but some things are a bit harder, you know. Yeah. You know, cultural risk and... Yeah. You know, there's lots of risks that you just recognise in your risk plan and understand that, yep, there's a risk of key person loss, you know, we lose yeah. Lisa, we lose a lot of knowledge, um, you know, so we don't need to order that. But we've got some controls in yeah. place, you know, yeah. around succession planning and I guess, for example, I'm just rattling off a couple of items, but not everything has to be audited or needs to be audited Yeah. that's on the risk yeah. plan. But it's an interesting one you, you bring up because you always think of, problems that could happen, injuries, loss, like financial loss, things like that. But losing someone like a key employee is a significant risk on so many different levels to an organisation. So mm. it's important to sort of take a wide view to looking at risk in a business and what are the things that you need to prioritise. Yep. I think that's really important. But I can imagine, Peter, that someone listening to this episode has more questions, potentially interested in bringing you in to create one of these assurance maps, how do they get in touch with you? They just contact you. No. <laughs> uh, I, I am not your person. <laughs> no, no, okay. So it's Peter Francis. I'm the, the founder and owner of ACEA, five letters, A-C-E-I-A. Nice. You can .com.au it. Yep. Um, and you'll find me and... Um, you'll be able to get in touch with me uh, via info at acia.com.au or pfrancis at acia.com.au. Nice. And we'll share all those links in the show notes for those interested. Are you on LinkedIn? I I'm not, I must admit, uh, I know this is going out, but I'm not a big social media person, but I am on LinkedIn. That's good. Um, and whenever someone calls, I always return a phone call. Awesome. There you go. You heard it here first. Thank you so much for joining me today, Peter, uh, and sharing your wisdom I enjoyed it. I understand and appreciate the value of internal audit. Don't know if it's sexy just yet, but... I'll get you there. We'll see. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for having me on my first podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Peter. If your board is interested in finding out more about internal audit, assurance mapping, and taking a proactive approach in risk management, I encourage you to reach out to Peter or another suitably qualified expert. Check out the show notes for Peter's links. 
If you haven't already, I invite you to subscribe, rate and review the Board Shorts podcast on your favourite podcast app. And please feel free to share that you're listening and what your takeaways are from this episode on social media using the hashtag Board Shorts podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to talking with you in the next episode. The Board Shorts podcast is powered by Get On Board Australia the destination for aspiring and new board members, helping you to get on board and thrive in the boardroom.